We are in Ivamos, Daft Tzadi Dalit, Oman Aleph, 94a, towards the very bottom, moving on to Tzadi Dalit, Ombez, 94b. We have been discussing just a quick review of the chapter as an introduction to the new Mishnah. We have been discussing the case of uh, a witness coming to court to testify that um, a, a husband has passed away so that the woman could then go ahead and get married. And we mentioned, this was in the first mission of the chapter, that we rely upon, we could rely upon one witness, we could be lenient and rely upon one witness, even though in general, in Jewish law, we would require two witnesses. Here we, we will rely upon one witness um, to say that uh, the husband passed away. We had a whole discussion why we rely on one witness, is because uh, it must be he's telling the truth, uh, at least we're very confident that he's telling the truth because the husband could always show up if the husband really is alive. Um, and there's all these ramifications of the Mishnah. In addition to the fact that maybe we don't just trust the witness on his own, but it's also in combination with the fact that the wife, we we charge the wife with looking into the matter on her own because if the husband really is alive and she gets married to somebody else, it leads to the children being mamzerim, um, and it leads to other ramifications which are not good for her. Um, so as a result of that, we will trust the witness together with the wife looking into the matter. Now, our Mishnah will discuss the opposite direction. Again, the Mishnah, the Gemara says that we, we rely on this one witness because the rabbis are more lenient in a case to allow her to then get married because she's in a very difficult situation where she cannot get married if we don't know whether or not the husband is alive. What happens in the opposite case, where the wife is the one who uh, travels, is in a faraway land, and uh, we don't know whether or not she's alive? So, just probably going back to the basics, uh, in Jewish law, doesn't apply nowadays, but in Jewish law, uh, a woman can only be married to one husband. If that husband is alive, she cannot, and she's not divorced, so then she cannot marry anybody else. However, a man... Is allowed, technically is allowed to marry multiple wives. So even if she goes away, whether or not she's alive, he is technically allowed to marry somebody else. Now, we do not follow this, and we are very much uh, are against. Uh, there's various, uh, through history, there was various takanos, there was various decrees not to have uh, a marriage with multiple women. Um, but that is what existed in Jewish law, by the letter of the law, and in the times of... Uh, the Mishnah. So our Mishnah is discussing a case really where you want to marry uh, the wife's sister because what is true is that you cannot marry two sisters. You cannot even be married to one sister, get divorced and then marry the other sister. The only time you're allowed to marry the other sister is if uh, the sister you married, your wife, passes away. Once she passes away, so then you can marry the sister. So that's the case that we're dealing with here. So the witnesses now come back and they say that the wife passed away, so that now that allows you to marry her sister. So says the Mishnah. So the wife goes out and witnesses come and they say, according to Rashi, it's even one witness, uh, they say that your wife passed away. You go ahead and you marry now your sister-in-law, your wife's sister, because now it's allowed now that your wife passed away. And now the wife comes back. It was a false testimony, and the wife comes back. So we, in a situation uh, where there's one witness, 
and it's a case where the husband goes away and the husband comes back. So we say that you're not allowed to come back to your original husband. You're relying on, on that one witness. We don't let you go back to, to your original husband. Uh, it's uh, part of the that's part of the fines of this of this situation that we don't we don't allow it. However, in this case, we say that you are in the opposite case where the wife went away. You're allowed to go back to your wife. You're allowed to go back to your wife. Um, and the Gemara will discuss this. Uh, what's the difference between the two cases? But it's an important distinction. When the husband goes away and the husband comes back, so uh, the wife was married to somebody else. That's viewed as adultery, even though it was uh, she was relying on the witnesses. But at the end of the day. She had sexual relations with, with somebody other than her husband. Her husband really was alive. She just didn't know it. So she cannot go back to her husband. In this case, when the man has sexual relations with somebody else, so she is, he is now allowed to return back to his wife. We say even though it's the sister, uh, he's allowed to return back to his wife. Again, the Gemara will discuss this in uh, later on in the Gemara in a later recording. Why would we make a differentiation? That uh, and we say that uh, it's viewed as though they were never married. The the husband and the sister in law and the wife sister they were never married. Therefore, he is allowed to marry any of her relatives. Let's say if she has a daughter or something like that, so then he's allowed to marry her relatives. She can marry his relatives, even though in general, when there's a marriage, you're not allowed to marry uh, your mother in law, your daughter in law. Uh, sorry, your your wife's your stepdaughter. Um, it, 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 this is not recognized as a marriage when they when they got got together. The wife was really alive the whole time, and so therefore it's not even recognized as a marriage. And we say also that if your wife passes away, uh, so then you're allowed to then get married to your sister in law, even though you were you, right. The, the the sequence is that your wife went away. The the the, the, the witness testified that the wife passed away. You then go ahead and you think you're marrying your sister-in-law, your wife's sister. In reality, you are not getting married because it's not recognized as a marriage because your wife was really alive the whole time. Your wife comes back. You can return back to your wife. Your wife dies, so then you can then marry uh, your wife's sister. What you tried to do before, you're now, uh, now you are allowed to do. You can marry your wife's sister. That is uh, entirely uh, permissible to do. Um, that's all case number one of the Mishnah. So we say as follows that if, let's say they said, same situation, the wife goes away, a witness comes and says that the wife passed away, you, the husband, go, the husband goes ahead and marries his wife's sister, so he marries his sister-in-law. Now witnesses now come back and they say, you know what? Your wife was really alive, let's say for the first year. She was really alive when the, after the witness said that she was dead. Nope, she was really alive. But she died, whatever it is, a year later, two years later. So then the law is that the children that the husband has with his wife's sister, the children are mamzerim, meaning these are the children. Mamzer is the child that comes from an illicit relationship a very severe with a severe prohibition of kares of an early death or of the death penalty. Uh, so then the child becomes a mamzer. It's a halachic status of a mamzer. Essentially, the child uh, cannot marry most Jews. Uh, it's a whole separate discussion what exactly happens to a mamzer. But because the husband had relations with his wife's sister, uh, 
even though he thought that the wife was, was not alive and it was completely permissible. But at the end of the day, as we've seen throughout this chapter, the status of the child being a mamzer is that the child is a mamzer even if uh, the, they thought that they were doing the right thing. Because it's not if they made a mistake, but it's really about the fact that uh, at the end of the day, uh, the, he is having sexual relations with his wife's sister and his wife is really alive, even though he didn't know it. His wife is really alive, and so therefore the children are mamzerim. However, if he continues to have sexual relations with his wife's sister after the point in time which his wife died, the, the witness came and said that the wife died a year later, two years later, whatever it is, so then those children are not mamzerim. Those children are not mamzerim because uh, then it becomes uh, permissible because the wife is really no longer alive, and then you're allowed to marry your wife's sister. Okay. Now, Rabiosi, we're not going to discuss the last line of the Mishnah. The Gemara will discuss that at a future point in time, but we'll just read it. Rabiosi, Omar Rabiosi has a different approach, and he says, Okay, we're not going to discuss that now. Says the Gemara. The Gemara, essentially, that we're, hopefully that we'll cover today, will have two parts to it. The first part is shorter than the, first, than the second part. Uh, but essentially, the Gemara in the first part is going to say as follows. What happens if you have the following situation? You have two brothers um, who are married. They're both married. Um, and uh, essentially, what takes place is as follows. Now, the, the, the wife of one, let's say you have, let's give them names. So you have Ruvain and Shimon. These are two brothers, Ruvain and Shimon. Ruvain is married to Rachel. Shimon is married to Leah. And what happens if um, Reuven, who is married to Rachel, let's say Rachel, she goes off and she travels somewhere, and also Shimon travels somewhere. So Rachel, who's married to Reuven, the RR connection, uh, Reuven is married to Rachel, Rachel travels, and then also Shimon travels. And witnesses now come back and they say both of them died. Okay, both of them died. So now that both of them died, um, so now, uh, it, what, what could happen now is that uh, Ruvain can now marry his brother's uh, his brother's wife, right? They could they could he can marry his brother's wife now. Sorry, take it back. This is really this is really the case. I apologize about the confusion. I mixed up the cases. The case is where there's not two brothers but two sisters. So we have two sisters. Rachel and Leah are sisters. Okay. Now, not two brothers, but two sisters. Rachel and Leah are sisters. Rachel is married to Reuven. Leah is married to Shimon. Reuven and Shimon are not related. But Rachel and Leah are sisters. Rachel goes out, and uh, Shimon, they, they, they're both traveling, not together necessarily, but they're both traveling, and witnesses come back, and they say that Rachel died, and uh, and Shimon died. So now Reuven can marry Leah. Why can Reuven marry Leah now? Because Reuven couldn't marry Leah unless his own wife died. Because since it's his sister-in-law, it's his wife's sister, he cannot marry Leah unless uh, his own wife died. He can also not marry Leah unless Shimon died, because Leah is currently married to Shimon. Uh, so unless Shimon dies, he, he cannot marry Leah. So the only way he can marry Leah is if his own wife dies, and if who Leah is currently married to, i.e. Shimon, also dies. And that's what, exactly what the witnesses said. That's the case that we're dealing with here. So the witnesses said that both Rachel and Shimon died. Now Reuven goes ahead and marries his wife's sister. He marries Leah. Now witnesses come back. Not just witnesses, sorry. They come back. Um, Rachel comes back and Shimon comes back. And they're both really alive. 
So what's the law in this case? So the law is that, well, we have to really judge each case independently. And we have to say, well, could Reuven now return back to Rachel and stay married to Rachel? And could Shimon stay married to Leah? Well, Shimon, with regards to Leah, that was the first mission of the chapter. Uh, And when the wife uh, relies on one witness and marries somebody else, she's now no longer allowed to return back to her husband. So Leah cannot return back to Shimon. Leah is not allowed to return back to Shimon. However, our Mishnah says that when it comes to Rachel, Rachel traveled afar, and the witness said that that um, she died, and the husband relied on that. So the husband could return back to his wife. The wife is the one who traveled in that case. So Reuven and Rachel are allowed to be married, uh, but Shimon and Leah are not allowed to stay married. They can't stay married. They have to get divorced uh, because those are really two different uh, scenarios, those are two different situations. Again, in that case, the wife relied on the witness to say that the husband left, and so therefore they cannot get back together once the husband comes back, uh, because that's part of part of the fine. Exactly why is there a distinction? The Gemara will discuss later, as we pointed out. But Reuven, with regards to Rachel, since it was Rachel, the wife is the one who traveled, and Reuven, was, the husband, was relying on the witness, he could uh, stay married to Rachel. So the Gemara says that even though this is all happening in the same case, we sort of have to judge each each situation differently. Reuben can stay married to Rachel, and Shimon and Levi, sorry, and Shimon and Leah cannot be married. That's exactly what the Gemara says. Even though Rachel and Shimon they traveled, Asiro Ishtasharya. We say exactly what we said. Ruvain could stay married to Rachel. Shimon and Leah have to get divorced. We don't say that since Shimon and Leah have to get divorced, you might have thought that maybe if Shimon and Leah have to get divorced, the same exact situation, because maybe people get confused, then Rachel and Ruvain also have to get divorced. No, we don't say that. Each case is uh, figured out on its own. Ruvain and our Mishnah, our Mishnah said that. When a wife travels afar, witnesses say that she died, and then Reuven marries his wife's sister, if the wife comes back, so then you are allowed to return back to your original wife. And that's exactly what Reuven and Rachel do, even though Shimon and Leah are different, and they cannot, they cannot be married. Okay, the Gemara now continues and discusses a new point. Uh, again, in our Mishnah, our Mishnah itself said the, the whole... A new approach in our Mishnah is that there's a distinction between when the wife travels afar and when the husband travels afar. If the tra- and, and there are witnesses that say that they died and then they come back. So if the husband travels afar, a witness says that he died and the wife goes and marries somebody else. So then we say that and, and then the husband comes back. Obviously the witness was, was lying. Uh, so we say they cannot stay married. That uh, she not, cannot go back to her original husband. It's not allowed. However, if the opposite happens to so then she is allowed to. Let's say his wife, witnesses say that his wife passed away, he now is allowed to marry his wife's sister. He marries his wife's sister, or he thinks he's married to his wife's sister. It's not really a marriage. Uh, so then he's allowed to return back when the wife comes back. So therefore we see that it wasn't really a marriage because the wife was alive the whole time. And he is now allowed. That's the big distinction. He's allowed to return back to his, to his wife and they could stay married. Now, the Gemara says... This approach to say that there's a difference, maybe this is against Rabbi Kiva. Why? According to Rabbi Kiva, Rabbi Kiva says that in this situation, 
seemingly, at least this is what the Gemara thinks. The Gemara will reject this in a minute. But the Gemara thinks that in this situation where, let's say you have Reuven and, and Rachel and Leah, Reuven's married to Rachel, Leah is the sister-in-law, Leah is Rachel's sister. So Rachel uh, leaves, a witness says Rachel died, Reuven now marries Leah. So Rekiv is of the position that says that even though when Rachel comes back, clearly they were never married, because uh, it's not recognized as a marriage, because his wife was alive the whole time. Still, Rabbi Kiva requires a divorce document. Rabbi Kiva requires to get divorced from Leah. And the Gemara is assuming if Rabbi Kiva requires Reuven and Leah to get divorced, that means in some level we are concerned that people will think that they're married, and therefore they have to get divorced uh, so, that, so that Leah then can marry somebody else. So they have to get divorced. If they have to get divorced, so then Reuven cannot stay married to Rachel. Because people will also think that he's marrying his wife's, i.e. Leah's really, his, his new wife Leah's sister, i.e. Rachel, who came back. And you're not allowed to marry your wife's sister even after you get divorced. It's only after they die, but not after they get divorced. And so Rabbi Kiva says that they have to get divorced. So seemingly he would also hold that he cannot stay married to his original wife, to Rachel. Uh, because then it's, it's, like it, it's like he was married to Leah and now he cannot be married to his wife, Leah, even though they get divorced, is a wife's sister, i.e. Rachel, who he was originally married to. Could be a bit confusing here. Ditanya, how do we know that Rabbi Kiva holds like this? Because the Bryce says, The only time you need a divorce document, according to the first opinion, is the case of our first Mishnah. One witness comes and says, it's a case where the, the husband traveled afar, and the witness said that the husband died, and then the husband comes back. In that case, you need a divorce document from uh, the wife with, um, with the second husband, whoever she marries. That they, there they need a divorce document, and also she cannot stay married to her first husband, to the husband that came back. That's the first opinion. But Rabbi Kiva adds, Rabbi Kiva Mosef, because Rabbi Kiva adds that in cases where we have witnesses for your, uh, where they say that the brother died, so that you do Yibam with uh, your brother's wife, or the other sister-in-law. There's two different types of sister-in-laws. It's your brother's wife or your wife's sister. They say the wife died, and you end up marrying your wife's sister. In both of those cases, you need a divorce document. So the Gemara assumes, again, we're going to reject this, but the Gemara says, Once you need a divorce document, once Ruve needs to divorce Leah, after Rachel was, uh, the witnesses said that Rachel died, and he was originally married to Rachel, died, she died the witnesses said she died, Ruve now marries Leah, so Rabbi Kiva says they need to get divorced If they need it, when, when Rachel comes back. They need to get divorced, so then Reuven cannot stay married to Rachel because people are going to think that Reuven was married to Leah, and then once he's married to Leah, he cannot he can no longer get married to Rachel. So seemingly, Rabbi Kiva goes against our Mishnah because our Mishnah says they could stay married, Reuven and Rachel could stay married. Rabbi Kiva seems to hold that they can't get married, so how do you deal with this? So the Gemara says, no! Don't we know that Rav says, what's the case that we're dealing with here? <speaking in Hebrew> Essentially, the Gemara says as follows, that no, the case that Rabbi Kiva says that you need a divorce document between Reuven and Leah is limited 
to to one case. It's really limited to 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 one case, and it's not the Mishnah's case. It's the cases as follows: whether it's your sister-in-law, whether your relationship to Leah is that it's your brother's wife, or whether it's your wife's sister. In both of those cases, the witnesses are originally saying that the middle person, whether it's your wife or it's your brother, they pass away and then they come back. In those cases where Rabbi Kiva says you need a divorce document, really he holds you don't need a divorce document. The only case where you need a divorce document is a case where you're in your original marriage, whether it's to your wife or your brother who's married to Leah, in those original marriages, they weren't actually completely married. They were only halachically engaged. They were only halachically engaged. As such, there's a concern. Since they're only halachically engaged, people from the outside, what will they see? They'll see that you're originally halachically engaged. And then you're marrying the sister-in-law, whether it's your brother's wife or your wife's sister. People will think, you know what? Why are you marrying your sister-in-law? Not because your wife died or because the brother died. No, they have no idea. In fact, the brother and the wife, they're here right now. But they'll think that it really wasn't a good engagement. Because when you're engaged, you can make the engagement... uh, meaning it could be dependent on something. It could be conditional that something has to happen. And that thing never took place. So that's why you were never really engaged to your wife. You're, the, the, the brother was never engaged to his wife. And people will think that it was never viewed as, as, as acceptable when it comes to an engagement because you can make an engagement on condition of something that condition never took place. So it's like people will think that they were never married. Let's say, just for make it easier, just one example. Uh, Reuven was engaged to Rachel, people think that they were never actually engaged. And that's why he's married to Leah now. Well, if that's the case, if that's the way people think, so then you need a divorce document in that case. That's where Rabbi Kiva is saying you need a divorce document. But if it wasn't for that case, if they were actually married and not just engaged, and when you get married, when you complete the marriage, that cannot be conditional. Or at least uh, we'll assume that it wasn't conditional. It's hard to make that conditional. Uh, and for us to assume that it's conditional. So in that case, everybody knows that they're married Reuven and Rachel are married. If everybody knows that they're married and Rachel's back, they also know that Reuven was never halakhically married to Leah. It's impossible. If Rachel's here right now, he was never married to, to Leah. The only case where we're concerned is where it wasn't a marriage, a full-fledged marriage, but it was just an engagement. Reuven was engaged to Rachel. Well, that engagement might not have taken place completely because that could be conditional. So therefore, we're concerned that when he marries Rachel's sister, when he marries Leah that really people will think that it's a real marriage, it's a full-fledged marriage. That's the only case of Rabbi Kiva. So therefore, in the end of the day, Rabbi Kiva is not uh, against our Mishnah. He doesn't argue with our Mishnah. He's discussing a very different case, not where they're married, but where they are engaged. Just a few more lines in the Gemara. The Gemara says as follows, Rav Ashi says, According to Rabbi Kiva, why does he only give a case of your sister-in-law, your wife's sister? He could have also given a case where it's your wife's mother. Because according to Rabbi Kiva, at least in this stage of the Gemara, the Gemara will reject this. But at this stage of the Gemara, the Gemara assumes that according to Rabbi Kiva, just like when it comes to your wife's sister, you're allowed to marry, in general, you cannot marry your wife's sister. But you could marry her if your wife passes away. So too, the Gemara thinks according to Rabbi Kiva, you cannot marry your mother-in-law, your wife's mother, but you could marry your mother-in-law when your wife passes away. That's what the Gemara assumes within Rabbi Kiva at this stage, how do we know this according to Rabbi Kiva? Because the punishment for having uh, sexual relations with your mother-in-law is shreifa. It's one of the more severe forms of the death penalty uh, of where hot lead, where a person swallows hot lead. It's viewed as a more severe form of, of the death penalty there. Um, uh, to have sexual relations with warning, obviously, um, uh, 
to have sexual relations with your mother-in-law. And Rabbi Kiva says that that, that punishment doesn't apply uh, once your wife passes away. Now the Gemara is going to explain eventually what the answer is, is that it's true the punishment doesn't apply. It doesn't mean that it's allowed. The punishment doesn't apply after your wife passes away, but it's still not allowed. Um, so so the case is essentially where uh, the wife passes away. The Gemara assumes that just like there's no punishment, there's also, it's allowed. So that could have been given as an example as well by Rabbi Kiva, where you need a divorce document that uh, you're married to your wife. Witnesses say that your wife uh, passed away. You then marry your mother-in-law. So people might think that it's really recognized uh, because it's a, uh, it, it's the one case where it, you would be allowed, the, 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 hus- the husband would be allowed to marry his mother-in-law. That's what they think. How do we know Rabbi Kiva holds like this? The Tanya we have in the Brisa. The verse says, it's a very difficult verse. The verse says that both she and her mother get the death penalty. Uh, so what exactly is this referring to? Because the wife didn't do anything wrong. So Rabbi Shmuel says it's really just referring to the mother-in-law. It's not referring to the wife. Rabbi Kiva says, no, it's referring to two. Two what? So the Gemara elaborates on Rabbi Kiva. According to Abaye, all Rabbi Kiva meant to say by two is that the cases where a person is married and he has sexual relations is with his mother-in-law and with his mother-in-law's mother. So it's with his grandmother-in-law and his mother-in-law. In that case, both of them are deserving of death. In that case. And that's what it's referring to. Rishmol says, no, it's, that's not what the verse is referring to. It's referring to just your mother-in-law. Uh, your, your mother-in-law's mother is learned to have from somewhere else. That's not from here. But according to Rava, that's all one version of Abaye. But according to Rava, according to Rava, Rabbi Kiva is telling you that the only time you get the death penalty is if both are alive. Obviously, your wife is not going to nothing. Your wife did nothing wrong. Um, but she, only when she's alive does your mother-in-law get the death penalty. If your wife is no longer alive, you don't get the death penalty. So seemingly, according to Rabbi Kiva, you could come up with a situation where the husband thinks his wife is no longer alive and he can marry his mother-in-law. So the says, no, what are you talking about? And with this, we'll conclude. It's true. According to this one version within a Rabbi Kiva, you don't get the death penalty. She doesn't get the death penalty if his wife is not alive. But it doesn't mean that uh, the prohibition still exists. Even if a person's wife passes away, you're not allowed to marry your mother-in-law. It's true, according to Rabbi Kiva, you might not get the death penalty. But there's a difference between the punishment and whether or not it's allowed. It's no longer, it's still not allowed. It's not allowed forever. There's no way of getting out of it. Even if your wife passes away, you're still not allowed to marry your mother-in-law. Uh, but in terms of the punishment, it's true. According to Rabbi Kiva, it could be that uh, you don't get the punishment of a death penalty after your wife passes away, but it still is a prohibition. And so therefore, Rabbi Kiva cannot include this in the list. It only applies to your sister-in-law, whether it's your brother's uh, wife or whether it's your wife's sister. In those cases, we could come up with a case where um, you end up marrying your sister-in-law and then they come back, the husband comes back or the wife comes back. Uh, and then in those cases, according to Rabbi Kiva, we require a divorce document because people might think you were never originally married because it's a case of where you're only engaged. It wasn't even a marriage. You were only engaged and maybe you weren't actually engaged. And so therefore you need a divorce document from the second uh, the, what's viewed as the, what's perceived as the the second marriage. Um, okay, that is the Gemara. Until now, we're on the bottom of ninety four B, and we will continue with the Gemara in the next recording.